days. I don't know when. I'll have the same stuff up front that you guys are looking at. So uh, finishing up, this is actually, I think, the last uh, real official session of our What Makes Brantford Bible Chapel, Brantford Bible Chapel kind of series that we've been doing uh, this fall. And um, so we're going to wrap up today with giving. Yep, that's right. I got head coverings and giving uh, in the series, but that's okay. I'm sure it was fair. It was a fair draw. The, uh, <laughs> it's all good. If you turn me to Acts chapter 2, please, just a little refresher. Um, we we'll always like to start with the word I like. As we've read many times, especially this fall, here in Acts, at the end of Acts chapter 2, being in verse 42, is really the start of the church. We've got Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes upon the apostles, thousands of people get saved, and the church begins. And it goes like this. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Let's commit this time to the Lord. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you again for all that we have on Sunday morning, the opportunity to remember our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and his suffering on the cross and his resurrection, the time to have fellowship and love and prayer with one another, uh, certainly the teaching of your word. And the Lord included in this time of fellowship is also uh, the collecting of gifts, uh, to be used for your kingdom and for your purpose. And so, Lord, as we study this today, Lord, I pray that you would open your word to us and uh, reveal it. May our hearts be convicted in humility uh, to be obedient to your word. And uh, may we be enlightened and certainly uh, changed into the likeness of Christ through everything and every way. We ask your blessing on our time this morning, and uh, may you be glorified even as we look at these things. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm sorry, it is so... So, first thing, first... We are not going to ask you all to sell everything and uh, pass it around and share it. We don't, that's, this is a different time. But there is still a time where the church takes in what we call giving and uses it for the purposes of God. Here at Brantford Bible Chapel, we do that as well. But sometimes uh, people are a little surprised that we do things a little differently than maybe more churches do. And so we want to make sure that uh, we're all on the same page and understanding why we do what we do. And uh, first thing I want to clarify is the reason why it's called giving and not tithing. 
Okay? Um, tithing, to be more explicit, to more biblically accurate, is an Old Testament term, which was uh, a commandment for the Jews to give 10% of all their first to the temple to be used by the priests and for the workings of the temple. It was a 10%. Um, and so a lot of people use that term today for giving to the church. Uh, but actually, as we look through the New Testament, uh, the church is never commanded to tithe. The church is commanded to give. So it's a different concept in a different way that we're going to look at um, giving back to the Lord. So really, instead of looking at it as a, as a lawful required um, 10%, which actually, if you look through all the Old Testament, in many ways, they ended up having giving sometimes up to 30% by the time they were done on different offerings and things like that. So if you want to hold tight to a tithing mentality, then we look forward to you giving 30%. Um, but other than that, we're going to look at giving. So giving is the heartfelt donation by the believer in worship and thanksgiving for the ministry of the church, the working of the church here, uh, and then in our place, Brantford Bible Chapel. So when I say ministry of the church, um, it's a term that um, I came up with, and it's trademarked and patented, so please don't use it. But um, you know, I don't want to see it passing around as this new thing. Um, it's the new thing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but what I mean by that when I refer to that short little phrase, what it encompasses it's, it's the temporal needs of the facility that we meet in. It's the needs of the body that are here and certainly used for furthering the gospel, the commission. That's what we use all these, all these giving for. So, again, tithing was used just for the priests, Levitical priests. And so we don't want to confuse the terms of what we're doing. Um, so as we look at um, this process and what's different now, let's start with 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We'll go over some fundamental things. Uh, before we get into some maybe more, uh, we'll call spiritual things, I guess. Now, as we've always talked about in this series, why we meet on Sunday, right? The first church met, first day of the week. They, they no longer recognize this as the time to go to the temple. Yeah, this is cutting out, all right? It's cutting out, right? Yeah. Um, music ministry, apparently the sound room is in need of some equipment. So, good timing. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. Now, concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. Paul is writing to them. He's going to come to the church in Corinth, and he's going to take a bunch of money that they've collected. He's going to bring it back to the church in Jerusalem. This is a apostolic time, first church, and um, there's a need in Jerusalem that the church needs, and so all the churches are giving to help them out. And Paul's coming around, and he's giving. But we're going to take the same principle and apply it to what we do today, because we are a local outreach of the church of God. The first things that we want to pull out of this passage, Paul says this, on the first day of the week, so okay, Sunday, that's today, this is the day we take of our collection, let each one of you, let each one of you in the church, not the rich, not the wealthy, not those who have too much, not the guy with 50 cattle, not the guy, if you have five cattle, you don't have to worry about it. It's each one of you. So the whole church, the whole body that is meeting in this assembly is responsible for contributing to this collection. And he says, let you lay something aside. So we are all responsible to put aside something for the use by God in the church. He says, storing it up as he may prosper. So the idea 
I think that Paul is saying, as you may prosper is as God blesses you. So right there, we're taken out of this, new, this tithe mentality of required 10%. Because it's, how has God blessed you? Maybe you can only give 1%. Maybe you can give 40%. There's no boundaries on what they're going to collect. It's as you may prosper. So look at what God has given you and blessed you with, and then put that aside. We're going to talk a little bit in the future as we go through this passage um, about when and how, but I want us to just think about the fact till we get there, it's something that's to be pulled out ahead of time. Paul is saying, when I show up, I don't want a bag being passed on my back. I don't want you guys putting people a bag under people's noses saying, Paul's here, Paul, you got something for Paul? You got something for Paul? Now people are feeling coerced. It's put it aside ahead of time, plan, because you know that I'm coming, and then bring it to the church the first day of the week. Put it aside. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We will just look at verse um, 7. Again, same church, second letter. Paul's still writing to them about giving. And he writes this in verse 7 of chapter 9. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So again, the idea here is not that we are under compulsion, we're under a law, and we're resenting how much we have to give because God's requiring a certain amount but because we're now looking back at all that God has blessed us with. As he, as he said in the, in the last passage, right? As he prospers. I'm looking at all that God has blessed me with, and I'm going to turn around and give it back to the work that God is doing in the local assembly. Joyfully, not grudgingly or of necessity. It's something that we should desire to do. It should be a, a, a happy, what's the word I'm looking for? Joyful, um, it, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to participate in the work that's going on in the assembly. See, now, look at it this way. Even when the people in Israel were giving their tithe, what they were really doing is they were participating in the work of the temple. They weren't a priest. They couldn't do the priestly duties. But by providing for the priest, they were actually partaking and participating in the work that the priests were doing. Because if they're all doing it together, if without them, the priests can't do it, right? Same thing here in the church. When we give, we're giving to everything that's going on. It's a fellowship mentality. I love the fact that I didn't even realize this until uh, I was thinking about this morning, um, but you know, we started this pattern uh, back in September with James on fellowship. And the whole idea of giving is actually that of participating in the fellowship of the church. We're all using this room right so we're all enjoying the lights that are turned on. So when everyone gives, everyone participates in paying for those lights. Everyone may not have a kid in Sunday school. But everyone who gives is partaking or participating in the Sunday school because you're helping pay for the materials that we need there. Everyone who gives, whether you can serve at VBS or not, is helping to pay for VBS. So you are participating So you are participating. In that ministry. Do you get the idea? It's a fellowship thing. So whether it was the, 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 the Israelites thousands of years ago or us today, 
when we are giving, the reason why we want to give joyfully and cheerfully is because we realize, one, everything we have is from God and we're thankful for it. But two, by being in fellowship here at Brantford Bible Chapel, you want to participate in all the ministries. Even if you can't actually participate, you are because you're supporting them. You're supporting this building that we're using. You're supporting the materials that we use for these things. You're helping to pay for everything. Um, I'm not sure how we're going to do the tree lighting thing. I guess you're looking for people to donate things. Um, you drop off some stuff. Even if you can't be there, you're participating in that work. So it's a fellowship idea. Now, the other thing Paul wrote here in this uh, passage here in 2 Corinthians that we want to point out to so explain why we do things the way we do here at Brantford is he says, Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, not under compulsion. No one should be pressured. For those of you who are new may not know this, but those of you who have been a long time, remember we used to pass a bag. And... In the passing of the bag, um, there was good and there was bad. In one way, when we pass the bag around right after the Lord's Supper, we've all just celebrated the Lord. We've broken bread. We've drank the cup. We're celebrating the Lord. We're in fellowship together. So now as the bag comes around and everybody's putting in their offering, we're in fellowship together going, yeah, here's my part. Here's my part. It's like, yeah, here's my five bucks for the pizza. Yes, I am into the party. Yes, we're all part of it. But what happens when the back comes around to someone who doesn't have anything to put in? Now, for most of us, we would say, no big deal. Just, just pass it along. But, you know, we actually found that there were some who felt um, convicted that they didn't have anything to put in. They should not feel that way. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Anybody who felt that way should not feel this way. But they did. So rather than put a brother and sister under that emotional condition that they're struggling with, we just said, I'm not going to pass the bag anymore. I'm going to put a box out in the foyer, put your offering in. What's the difference? It's still fellowship. Uh, we're still all contributing. But now no one feels this burden of compulsion. Something is shoved in their face in front of everybody else. That's not the way we want to do church here. We want to joyfully give. No one should ever feel under compulsion for anything that we do. So we made a change. There was concern that um, it might affect giving. And it did for a little bit, but I think that's because people just kept forgetting to put the money in the box because the bag wasn't being passed. I'll be honest with you. Because after a little while, it straightened out, and I think we've been, we've been pretty stable and been pretty fine and maybe even doing better. So um, it's been encouraging the people who come to visit who have told us how much they love that idea. Um, I always say this as I do this. I don't mean to judge, but um, I've heard of places where um, actually a bucket is passed. A bucket is passed around the room. That's faith right there. That's, we're going we're to pass this bucket until it's full. Um, but, you know, to, to each church as they're, as they're felt convicted to, to share. But I think their idea is it's a communal thing, and that's the way we want to look at our giving. We're all contributing into this together. So then, so then it becomes like, I, I guess this is the question, why are we giving, right? We're part together in all the ministry that Brantford Bible goes for. Everything that Brantford Bible Chapel stands for and desires to accomplish and these ministries do require resources today, right? So rather than, hey, we guys, we want to do VBS, so whoever wants to contribute to VBS, give us this money. And hey, guys, we want to do the tree lighting, so whoever wants to partake and help out with the tree lighting, give us money for this. We just take up a collection every week. Just give generously. I was, um, I'm actually jumping around 
notes right now, so we'll see how this works out later, but this is where my brain is going. When I was, when I was working on this message, I had the thought, and I was wondering about these stories I had seen, and, and I want us to think about it. Um, I don't know if you've heard these stories. Other churches in, in America, and I've heard it happen in Florida and Texas, and I think it was Indiana and Illinois, I believe were the states that I saw, where churches paid off people's medical debt. In some places it was $2 million, $4 million. What was that testimony to the people in that area? The church of God paid your debt for your medical debt. be cool. But you know why they were able to do that? Because people had been giving. And they had this money. And they said, what do we do with it? And they prayed like people of God do. And God impressed upon their heart. There are people who are hurting in your community. And you can take what I've given you and give glory to my name helping them. The other statistic that I thought that was very interesting, again, these are statistics that are reported, so who knows how accurate they actually are. In the, in the American church today, it is reported that the average person gives less than 3%. I'm not trying to guilt anybody or coerce anybody. I just want you to think about that. Um, we have not had need that I know of. And there have been times where we've made special mention of certain things and people have been very generous to help us escalate what we don't already have. But I want to encourage you to pray about what you're giving, how you're giving, and what your heart is towards what you're giving. Because are you fully giving back to God all that he's given you and blessed you with? I don't want to put a, put a percentage on it. But I will say, if you're stuck and you're like, I, I think I want to give more, I don't know how to do it, I don't know what to give, a lot of times what we'll do in financial counseling is 10% is an easy number to start with. 10% is an easy number to say, before anything else, give first. You can start with that number, then go through your budget, because we all budget, right? We all budget, right? Then you could have left. But here's the thing. God should get first. Because everything you have came from God. Now God wants it back for his purpose and for his glory and his work here at the chapel. So what, what can you do? So if you start that number, then you can see where your budget goes. But God gets first. I want to tell you how important it is um, to commit to God first. God gave us Everything that we have. was As those of us who have become born again, we realize now, nothing we have is by our own efforts. What we have, everything we have, is by God, from God, and for God. So God should be first. Another popular question is, since we're you know American Christians, this is the question that uh, makes everyone bang their head against the wall, and oh my gosh, what do I do? I cannot figure this out. Pre-tax or post-tax? I'm going to tell you that. It's a serious question. You've got to think about it. That's a personal conviction. If you ask me my advice, thank you. Somebody asked me for my advice? Yes, you can have my advice. The, um, my personal conviction is pre-tax. Before the government takes anything, you should look at your total gross income because that's what God gave you. And out of that, God gave you to pay our government so you have a military so you're safe and police and fire and roads. 
Then out of that, you can pay your bills. But God should be first. God should be first. Now, if you do all that, and you feel really like in the situation you're in right now, that's a number you can't do, then work it out with God. It's not a rule. It's a suggestion. It's a guideline to help get you started. But I want to encourage you that God should be first. In fact, I'm going to ask um, Josh to put up a slide for me. I asked the deacons for some Brentford Bible Chapel information. Before I get into more scriptural things, this is still about Brentford Bible Chapel. So this slide right here, since 2014 through 2018, um, through the goodness of the, of the deacons, they shared with me. By the way, our financial reports are, are not closed. Uh, we're, we're an open assembly, so you can go see the deacons anytime you want. You want to know where money goes. You're not going to know who it went to, but you will certainly know what, where money is going. You'd be interested to see what our breakdown is. The blue bar is what we spend on administrative costs. A, a percentage of how much comes in for the year went to administrative costs. Administration could be our electric bill. It could be paper for the copier. Um, it could be any other thing that we have to do to that's not a ministry. And so in 2014, we did some work here on the chapel. 2018, we did some work here on the chapel. But if you look at what we spend on ministries, we're at 70% of what comes in goes to ministries. That's the focus of this church. That's what I want you to be aware of. You're dropping money in the box. You're thinking about putting money in the box. What am I giving to? That's where it's going. We're focused on ministries. We're blessed at this time not to have salaries and, and other uh, expenses that a lot of churches have. And I'm not critical. Because there's a serious need, and uh, there may be a time when we look at that at some point in the future. But right now, we are blessed to be able to put 70% on average or more of everything that comes in into ministries. Ministries could be VBS. Um, it could be people who have needs. Missions. This is where we focus. This is where we want to work and make, make sure we're, when we give here at Brantford where it's going. Uh, if you go to the next slide, gosh. I pulled out of the ministry, because there's a lot of different ministries that uh, we give to, but I thought you might want to see a breakdown of, of our ministries, and you'll see that missions is typically our priority uh, and where we give to. Um, there are gifts, and there are times when um, generous gifts are given, and people have needs, and so uh, we, we go out that way for those who have needs. So it varies from year to year, but I also want you to see that there's a, a major priority in, in missions. Um, the way giving works is certainly as it's given, uh, we, we give it back out. Many, many, many years ago, uh, a lot of the assemblies, I don't know if all the assemblies, but I know many of the assemblies were encouraged uh, by a brother from another assembly that when there was a fifth Sunday in the month, that entire collection would go to missions. That's, all, that, that's, what, that's what missions was fed by if there was a fifth Sunday. And we did that here. Then I became treasurer. And I went, um, that's good, but it's a real pain in the neck to keep track of when there was a fifth Sunday. It's like, oh, geez. But the other problem is there may be three or four months before there's a fifth Sunday. Now, there's a missionary out in the field who hasn't gotten anything for months. Um, so what I did is I tallied up all the fifth Sundays in a year, and I looked at a couple years' worth, figured out how much we were typically collecting on those fifth Sundays, divided it by 12, went to the deacons and said, this is what it would be if we gave missions every month rather than waiting for a fifth Sunday. Everyone said amen. 
We formed, we gave to the, um, the missions committee. You guys have this much every month to give to missionaries out in the field or use for missions. And it's been wonderful. And I think God has blessed that. And I think that's one of the reasons why we put that first. We committed to it, the serving of, of, uh, of missionaries for the furthering of the gospel. Um, and it's been used for other purposes as well, uh, out, out of the missions field. But I think God has blessed Brantford Bible Chapel because we've been faithful uh, in giving that. Now, why God first? I started to talk about this before. I warned you, I went off my, off my notes, so here we go. Um, when I give to God first, I'm, um, I'm expressing to God a few things about, in my life about him, in my relationship with him. I'm showing God my commitment to his work and what he has given me to use for the furthering of the gospel and the work here. I'm showing that it is a priority in my life. It is not a, um, this week I went out to eat too many times, so I don't have anything for God, I'll hit you up next week. Okay? It's a priority in my life. It shows my gratitude to God for all that I have, all my blessings. The percentage, the amount is not the priority right now. It's the fact that God is getting first with whatever I have to give. Is it, is it the widow's might or is it 30%? It doesn't matter at this point. It's about me showing God these things. And it's about my trust. You know, it's, sometimes it's a struggle of trust to give God first because we don't know what's going to come. I might need this. You know, my car's been running kind of funny. So I'm going to hold back what I give just in case. Right? We talked about budgeting before. The B word. Right? If I'm putting aside for that, for my car repairs, and my house repairs, and I'm putting these things aside, after I commit to God first, I am convicted that God will provide for you. I can only share with you my own personal experience. This is not a prosperity gospel message in any way, shape, or form, because there are times of dryness. I can only tell you in my life, and, and with my wife and our marriage, since we committed to God first, and never looked back, and never held back, there have been times when we looked at the sheet and the numbers, we went, I don't know how we're going to do this. And after things passed, we had money left over, and we don't know how that happened either. So I, I don't know how to explain that. All I know is that God provided, and I think that's because we put God first. So do you trust God to meet your needs when they come up? If you, if you do, then you can give to God first. If you don't, then you need to reconcile. Cut out. There we go. So I want to look at a couple of Old Testament things. Wow, time's flying. I'm talking too, too slow, too much. Turn with me to Deuteronomy 14. Uh, Deuteronomy 14:22. Now, I'm going I'm to preface this before we read it. I know we're saying that we're not tithing, but I think it still shows the heart of God about giving. And so I'm not going to concern with just the tithe because this is actually uh, an add-on tithe from the normal tithe. So we'll just look at the heart of God. In 22 of 14 Deuteronomy, 
You shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year. And you shall eat before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses to make his name abide. The tithe of your grain and your new wine and your oil, of the firstborn of your herds and your flocks, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. You know, I think what he's saying, what he's saying to me is he's going to give you an increase. And you're going to give back to God and enjoy it with God. So that's what happens when we give. We give back to God, but look what he says, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. It's a part of the fellowship when the church meets, just like we remember what the Lord has done when we celebrate the bread and the cup and other things that we do. When we have to give every week, when we commit to giving to God first, every time you you write that check or you put that cash in the box, however you do it, you are actually reminded that God provided for you. And I think when we're kind of like, eh, maybe this week, maybe next week, I don't know, I've got to see if i got anything left, we lose the gratitude and the perspective of what God provides for us every day. Every day. So we give to God first because God likes us to remember. He says, learn the fear, to fear the Lord your God always. Remember that he's the one who provided everything for you. Turn to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, I will pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Do you trust God to provide? Are you willing to put him first and not be concerned with the cares of this world, as Christ said so many times? Turn me in Luke chapter 11, because it's already 12 o'clock. I'm going to start booking through a lot of verses. Luke 11. We're going to talk about um, the importance of, of our gifts meeting needs now. And um, let's just read uh, Luke 11, starting in um, 37. Just have a little context. And as he spoke, a certain Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and sat down to eat. When the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. Then the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees make the outside of the cup and dish clean, but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. Foolish ones, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But rather give alms of such things as you have, then indeed all things are clean to you. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs, and pass by justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. His criticism here is that they're tithing herbs. They're, they're meeting the 10% requirement, right? Here, God, I gave something, so we're okay. But they're missing the whole point. They're not giving joyfully. They're not giving to benefit others. If you're not familiar with the term alms, um, it means someone's needs. 
It's not just giving money. If you see someone hungry on the street and you buy them a sandwich, you've given them alms. It's being a benefactor. It's helping someone else out who has need. So Christ is saying, you're fooling around and you're just giving this bare minimum, but your heart is not understanding what God is asking for when you give. We want to make sure that our heart is in the right place. So I want to encourage you from this passage, I'm going to kind of, hopefully my points make sense, that if your thinking is, when I hear about a need, then I'll give, then you need to understand that not every need is made known. Okay? It's not about, well, when I hear about it, I give, and I give generously. The church is ministering people in a lot of different ways. And it's not just the public ministries. There are people who have needs at times that we're not going to share to everyone. Um, you know, hey, you know, Greg's car broke, he needs money. We're not, we're not going to do it. The, the, the deacons, um, as you recall from Acts, the, these are godly men who are appointed to distribute these funds. We trust godly men to pray, recognize and a need and meet that need. And so we're all giving and participating in it, but sometimes there's confidentiality and sensitivity. So again, I encourage you to give graciously and generously. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 6, please. This is the fun part where I, I find my notes that I mentioned 20 minutes ago. Um, <laughs> the uh, Galatians 6.10, Therefore, as we have... Well, let's read verse 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. We are all partakers in the ministry that is going on for the glory of Jesus Christ and the Lord. And as we have opportunity, what does God present to you? Are you looking for opportunity? Or are you taking advantage of the opportunity? Because that's what the Word of God calls it. When we get a chance to do good. So I want to kind of transition this phase to say that everything I'm talking about is not just money. It's not just money. I've been focusing on money a lot, but we're going to transition that giving is just giving. It could be yourself, it could be your time, it could be your resources, it could be your tools, it could be a ride for somebody. Giving is part of the whole body of Christ. And that's where we give joyfully. It's not a burden. So we look for opportunity to do good to all. Not just those we know best and those we're most comfortable with, but especially those who are of the household of faith. Do you look for your opportunities? I know Joe does. Do you look for your opportunities? Joe loves his opportunities. Do you look for your opportunities? We had an opportunity today to change a tire. It was a good thing. So thankful. Thank you guys for changing that tire. Was it raining when you went out? Oh, perfect time. See that? God, God parted the skies so you could serve um, and he could be glorified. And now uh, Marina can tell her family that she didn't have to call AAA because the body of Christ met her need. And God is glorified. So we look for opportunity. We're anxious for opportunity. We're not, oh, 
what now? Right? Uh, I do that sometimes. But we don't want to do that. We want to be anxious. We want to be looking for time, ways to give of ourselves in every way that we can. Turn me to First Timothy. Chapter 6. Got it? First, and I still pages are still turning. First Timothy chapter six, verse seventeen. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. What's the first word that jumps out in your mind? Besides command, right? We love the word command. We jump on that one. I saw a command. Got to do it. Rich. Anybody see the word rich? How do you define rich? Besides not me. <laughs> We're all rich. Thank you, Joe. You are all rich. We are filled with the abundance of Jesus Christ and the riches of his grace. So we are rich. What do you have to give? I talked before about trust. And that's what Paul's talking about here for, for Timothy to tell the, the, the men and the women here in this church. Don't trust in uncertain riches. You know why? Because those riches may not be there tomorrow. Well, I'm going to hold on. I know somebody else has need, but I might need it. Now, here's the conflict in a practical sense. We are all convicted by Scripture to store up for our needs. Right? There's many Proverbs and other Scriptures that speak about be prepared. Prepare for what you may need. So there is a big difference that we need to recognize between someone who is frivolous with what God has given them. They've been a poor steward, and that's why they have need as opposed to the person who has, and something has come up. But we don't want to be ones who hang on to that, which is going to burn up. Trust in God. Do not trust in uncertain riches, which could be here today and gone tomorrow. Who does he tell us to trust in? The living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Life is not just about burden. God does give us many things to enjoy, but which ones are the things you're focusing on? Which, which things are, are a treasure to you? That's where you may have to give up something for someone else. We're not going to turn there, but in Titus, Paul writes, let our people also learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs, that they may not be unfruitful. Again, not just focusing on money, but what is an urgent need? Where is there need? We, we had a wonderful thing uh, yesterday. Helped a brother cut and stack some wood. So thank you men who went and did and took care of that. That's wonderful. We, we need, to, As brother shared in the morning, uh, we need to do more of that. And we can do more of that. What are our needs? I want us to take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Very quickly.
I know we read verse 7 before, but we're going to read the passage and then uh, pull a few verses out for some context and some encouragement. So 2 Corinthians 9. Now concerning the ministering to the saints, which is the giving that's given out, it is superfluous for me to write to you. For I know your willingness, about which I boast of you to the Macedonians, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that, as I said, you may be ready. Thus, if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ, and for your liberal sharing with them all and all men, and by their prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. A lot of stuff in there, and i got two minutes left. So, what I'm going to say is this. If you look through that passage, the focal point is God. He talks about boasting in you for your generous gift, but it's because God gave. And God gave it through them. And it's because God gets glory. God gets glory because when people give, people's lives are changed. When we impact our community. And I'm hoping, we've been praying, and we're really hopeful that we're going to continue working on our communal outreach. In what ways can we serve this community? Um, We do a good job taking care of each other. We can always do a better job. But when The church gives and gives generously, abundantly, and God gets glorified. People give thanks to God. People turn to God. The the result, the desire, when we give, and maybe I'm going to encourage you to do this. Do you ever pray over your offering? Do you ever pray? God, use this for your glory. As I drop this in the box, be glorified through this. Meet a need. God, give wisdom to those who are in charge of the disbursement of this. It's from God. It's coming back to God, for God, for the glory of God. The reality is, it's not ours to begin with. All that we have, God has given us to enjoy. And all he asks is that we give some back so others can be blessed. It doesn't just apply the needs of the saints but it is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. 
I want to close with one verse. First Chronicles chapter 29, please. There's a beautiful prayer by David um, before they commence the building of the temple. And so I wanted to encourage us with this passage that um, it encourages us in the importance of being partakers in the fellowship of what God is doing. Even if you don't directly see it, you know that it is for God's glory um, and it's from God. So let's read, uh, starting at verse 10. First Chronicles 29. So we're talking about all that they have collected at this point. The people, in verse 9, it says, The people rejoiced, for they had offered willingly, because with a loyal heart they had offered willingly to the Lord. And King David also rejoiced greatly. Therefore David blessed the Lord before all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people? That we should be able to offer so willingly as this. For all things come from you, and of your own we have given you. For, as, for we are aliens and pilgrims before you, as were all our fathers. Our days on earth are as a shadow and without hope. O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name is from your hand and is all your own. I know also, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And now with joy I have seen your people who are present here to offer willingly to you. O God, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the intent of the thoughts of the heart of your people and fix their heart toward you. May we have this heart of David. God, everything is by you. Everything is from you. And everything is for you. We are privileged. Brothers and sisters, we are privileged to have this opportunity to take what God has given us and not sit on it and say, me, me, I, me, mine, but say, God, I'm going to give back to you for your glory. Let's pray. Oh, Lord our God, as David prayed, we thank you. We are so very grateful for all you have blessed this assembly with. We've been able to fix our building when it needs to be. We've been able to give to people who have need. We've been able to hold VBS at Killam's Point. So many things, God, that we do through this place. And we do it all for the glory of your name. Father, I pray that we are faithful and trustworthy with what you give us. And we ask your blessing on our deacons, that you would give them discernment and spiritual wisdom and the disbursement of these things. We thank you for providing these men and their families to do this work. So God bless them. Father, may we be cheerful givers. May we not have a heart um, of 
selfishness. May we recognize that you've given us many things to enjoy. We have an abundance that we can enjoy. So may we uh, just joyfully give to you first as a sign of our gratitude to all that you've given us. Lord, we pray you continue to increase here at Brantford Bible Chapel. Increase the ministries. Increase the outreach. Give us opportunity. Lord, may we have an overabundance so that we can go out into this community and say, how can we help? We want to glorify you in this place. You've planted Brantford Bible Chapel here in North Brantford. So God, use us. May we be willing servants to give joyfully, to use it willfully, and joyfully for the glory of your name. We thank you, O God, for all that you do. And we do thank you for all you give us. We are a most blessed people. And we thank you for our Savior, Jesus Christ. You have shown us what giving is. You did not hold on to what you cherished the most so that we could be redeemed. So may we have the same heart. The heart of God, the heart through the Holy Spirit, the heart of our Savior, Jesus Christ. The heart that says, I deny myself for you that I love. May we love as you do. Lord God, we thank you in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.